Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ABA Law Student Podcast. My name is Ashley Baker. I currently serve as the Law Student Division Delegate of Communications, Publications, and Outreach. I'm also a 2L at Southern University Law Center. So we recently published an article on the Before the Bar blog entitled, Sorry Honey, Mommy's Busy, How to Survive Law School with Children. The article received such a positive response that we had this idea to assemble a group of mothers who can really speak to what it's like to be a mom in law school. So our first guest today was the inspiration for this episode, Shanita Goosby. She's also the author of that amazing article. Shanita, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Most definitely. First off, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction and for the opportunity to speak about something that's so very near and dear to me. Um, so again, my name is Shawnee Tagusby. I am a 2L at the Southern University Law Center, which is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I am a native of Georgia. I grew up in a military family, but I called Georgia home prior to law school for the last 17 or 18 years. And most importantly, I am the proud mother of 10-year-old Sir Jones, and I have a dynamic two-year-old whose name is Skylar Stone. Okay, and our next guest is Crystal Taylor. Crystal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Crystal. Um, I'm a 2L. I attend Thurgood Marshall School of Law at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas. I have two children, uh, a son who is six. His name is Jude and a daughter who is four and her name is Layla. I'm originally from Roswell, New Mexico, but I've lived in Houston for a really long time now, so Houston is home, and I'm just really excited about this opportunity. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me for this. Okay, and our next guest, last but certainly not least, is Megan Matt. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, yeah, so I am a 2L in the evening division at Southern University Law Center in Baton Rouge. Um, I was born and raised here, uh, we spent some time up in New York City, um, but we've been back for several years and um, happy to be attending such an amazing university. I have four children. They are ages 10, 7, 5, and 3. So this is definitely something we deal with on the daily, and I'm super excited about this conversation. Thank you, ladies, so much. I'm just so excited that you guys agreed to be on the podcast and to share your insight on being a mom in law school. Now, law school is stressful, to say the least. <laughs> it's classes, it's studying, it's assignments, it's deadlines. And I can't imagine having a child and being in law school. So I guess my first question is, how do you manage your time between classes, studying, work, and caring for your children. Shanita, do you want to open things up? Yeah, so I think this is one of the, I believe, the number one questions that I get in regards to parenting in law school. And it really depends on a couple of things. 
Uh, first, the ages of your children really matter. If you, of course, have older children, like I have a 10-year-old who's a little bit more independent than my two-year-old, that um, taken into consideration. But just on basis, like this beginning foundation, a planner is your best friend for a law school, for managing everything. You do need to try to become more structured in your time, putting in your classes, putting in things that your children need. You're going to have doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, and all of those things. And you also want to factor in sometimes what we don't really even consider, but are also really, really um, essential for your well-being, just a small activity to do with your children, little peace of mind, things to do for yourself, whether that's 10 or 15 minutes here and there. And just know that it's going to be hectic. It's going to be crazy. But just really try your best to try to incorporate as much as you can to make sure you have sufficient time to study and some time for your family. Crystal, what are your thoughts on that? I think that everything that um, that she just said is very, very accurate. As as far as me, I prior to starting law school, I was kind of notorious, not for being like a scatterbrain or, or anything like that, but I just always had this thought that everything's just going to come together. You know, uh, life with small kids is hectic. Life with small kids and for in my situation, I'm not sure about the other ladies and, and being a single parent is even more hectic. So I think my best friend and best advice for any mother or any parent who's trying to go to law school is just to get real organized. I'm on a strict schedule. I don't deviate from my schedule. We eat at this time. We take a bath at this time. We study at this time. And I mean, sometimes it can be overwhelming a little bit for my kids because they are small and they do, you know, get sidetracked. But in order for me to run my household the way I need to run it, still be able to get adequate study time, which I never feel like it's, you know, it's never enough and not just for studying any aspect of your life. But when I do that, I feel like I have more accomplished and I get more accomplished when I just stay really, really strict to schedule. Also, as was just pointed out, it's super important to just have some time away from studying. And I tell people all the time, if I get home on Friday night, I'm probably, I'm, I'm not going to pick up a book. I feel like Friday night is, you know, my time for me, my time for my kids. We either go out to eat, we go, you know, see a movie, or maybe we just come home and I just let them totally tear up their room while I sit downstairs and, you know, kind of decompress and get, you know, my mental state back together. It's just always important to just allot some time just for your mental health and mental well-being. And and all of that's really, really important if you're going to make it through this journey. Megan, how about you? Friday nights are also our like sacred family time. It's like family Friday nights. And we don't deviate from that. I will not do anything. I've been asked multiple times to do things for school or other things on Friday nights, and I will not do it. Friday nights are our sacred time. So for us, it's really a balancing act. I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, you're balancing the dishes on each hand and everything's spinning and you're trying to hold everything up all the time. So none of it is easy, but uh, time management is really like they were, uh, you know, in agreement with what they said, time management is really everything. Um, I have this amount of hours every day to do things and this is what has to be done. There's really not any deviation from those things. I'm not quite as strict with like an actual schedule, but I'm kind of a person that's like, okay, these are the things that have to be accomplished today. 
And I make sure that those things get accomplished on that day. And so the next day I go into the next day knowing, okay, those things are down. Now I can hit these things. And um, I try and just kind of organize my week by classes and what has to be done by what day and how many hours I think it's going to take and then kind of fit into each day knowing about how much time that I have and how to accomplish those things. And it is difficult with the kids and I know we'll talk about, you know, like the guilt of it later, but, you know, I do miss things and it is all kind of a a struggle, but I just think that in the end it'll be worth it and we're showing our kids that it's not too late to go and chase your dreams and better the world and do good. Okay. So you ladies seem to have it, have it all together. You, what I got from that was that, you know, setting a schedule and determining what tasks that you want to accomplish and then going through those things and being organized is the key to balancing having children and being in law school. But do you all do it completely alone or do you have some type of support system and if you do have a support system how essential is that to your success in law school so I am a single mother of two as mentioned I do co-parent with my children's fathers however in my particular situation um, I'm from Georgia and their parents both their fathers are in Georgia so essentially In Louisiana, I'm pretty much, for the most part, doing everything myself. And I say that because I don't believe that you necessarily do everything by yourself. My daughter is now old enough to attend daycare, so that's a part of what would be considered a support system. My first year with her, she was nine months old when I moved to Louisiana. She had just turned one year old when I started my first year of law school. And so that first year was extremely difficult for me because the support system that I thought I had in place with people who were going to help care for her so I can study and things like that, that system completely fell through. And that happened sometimes and that was kind of shattering to me. So one of the best things that I think I did was become more transparent. And as I began to get more familiar with people at my law center and other mothers, I just started asking questions like, what what are good daycares? What, who do you recommend? And I was fortunate in that I was able to find a really, really good daycare center for my daughter to attend. And also from that is how I found her sitter. There was, when you wanted to have someone that you can put your child in care of, you need to have someone that you really, really trust. Fortunately for me, uh, her teacher's assistant and their family, they pretty much individuals, once they know what you're trying to do, they realize that you're you're in law school, that you're trying to do something really, really good. You'll be surprised by how many people are willing to help and support you. And from that is kind of how you form your support realm. And that support system sometimes may or may not be family. It can just be individuals in your community who are really just rallying and rooting for you. So yes, I do have a support system. Of course, a lot of things I do myself. And that support system really comes into play around times like finals and things of that nature. My family, although my parents, my dad and my mother have a wonderful father and mother, they travel when it gets close to finals time, they travel all the way from Georgia and they'll come get my little girl because they understand the sacrifice. And I understand that's not something that everybody has. But um I'm blessed in that aspect, and that kind of is what helps me to 
maintain. But during the school year, I'm on that planner and just using the sitter on some weekends, like every other weekend to try to so that everything doesn't go get too much because I am full time. Um, but that's pretty much what I what I utilize is that little support system. And I think that is really, really necessary, you know, for you to be successful. That's awesome. You have really dedicated parents to come get your little girl during finals. Crystal, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, similar to Shanita, when I got into law school, you know, everything was dependent upon the childcare, who was who was going to be there for my kids. And so it's like, you know, we make these plans and everything's in place. And I had this family member that was going to watch my kids for me, pick them up from school. When I started law school, my daughter was she was three. So she was not quite old enough to go to school. She she still needed to be in daycare. But um, this person was like, oh, you know, take your daughter out of daycare. I'm going to stay home full time. You know, you can just pay me because it'll be, you know, less expensive than daycare. And, you know, we're all trying to save a buck while we're in school. So I was like, perfect. So this childcare situation lasted, I don't even think it lasted for the entire week of orientations. And it, it was just too much for her. And I was broken. I was like, wow, you know, I, I quit my job. I started school. I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. Like, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to get my kids picked up? You know, just really, really stressed out. And the whole situation just taught me that, you know, people people are allowed to change their mind. And if I'm going to make this work, then I have to, like, really, really be way more self-sufficient and way more creative. So what I did or what ended up happening, I ended up being able to put my daughter, we have, we have childcare on campus. It's really hard to get into some kind of way. God worked it out. My daughter ended up going to childcare on campus. So that was convenient for me because when I dropped my son off in the morning, which his school is close to the university too, I would drop her off on campus. We didn't get out of class my 1L year till five o'clock. Her daycare closed at 5.30. I put my son in after-school care at his school that was over at 6. So I kind of just made this, like, big loop to pick everybody up. This year, both my kids, luckily, are in public school and an extended day. So by the time I'm done with class, which last semester I got done with class, I think at the latest, like, 2.50. So I still had, you know, two and a half hours that I could sit at school and, you know, and study before I even picked my kids up. Additionally, I ended up meeting two girls that were in undergrad at Texas Southern in the School of Education, and they became my babysitters. They needed a job. I needed some babysitters, and they both actually just graduated last weekend, so they're both going to be teachers, and I'm super excited for them. They're still going to sit for me, and also, sometimes our school schedule is a little bit different than HISD, Houston ISD's. Um, schedule for school. So in the times where maybe my kids don't have school and I do, I bring my kids to school. Everyone at school knows my kids because they know that there is a good chance that at least three or four times a semester, they're going to have to come to school with me. Um, My section mates last year have watched my kids, will still watch my kids if I have a class and they don't. There is a, a lady in our financial aid office, Ms. Percival, that handles all the financial aid. I'll knock on her door and say, hey, can my kids come sit in your class or in your office? I have a 50-minute class. 
just give them snacks, let them play on the computer, whatever. So, and, and that's one of the reasons why I did choose the school that I'm at because I felt family from the day that I went there. And I have more support from the people that I just met at school than I had outside of school. I don't, I don't have parents. My mother's deceased and my father lives out of the country. So it's, it's me. So I really, really value the relationships that I've made being in school. My kids' dads, one of them lives in New York. One of them lives a little ways away from me, but in Texas. So they're not able to say, hey, Crystal, I'm going to come and pick the kids up and watch them. But they financially support. So that's important, too. It it all helps and it all goes into the big pot of, of what makes this whole situation work. But I've definitely had to rely a lot on my friends and people I've met at school to to get me through this. And it's really, really <laughs> taxing at times, but it's been working. So I'm going to let it work till it doesn't work anymore. Megan, what do you think? My situation is a little bit different. I am married, so I do have uh, my husband's help, which has been a lifesaver for me. I don't know how I would have done it otherwise. Big, huge props to the other ladies because you guys are superheroes. I do homeschool my kids. So during the day, I am home with them most of the day, a couple days a week. I do have babysitters from um, universities here that are in college that will come over a couple afternoons for a couple hours so I can get up to school early and have a little bit of extra study time. But most days I just go up for class. My husband and I switch off. He takes, I do the kids all day. He does the kids all night until um, I don't get out of class until nine usually. Um, and as the semester progresses, I, you know, I'm usually there quite a bit later until 11 or 12 studying plus weekends. So without him, I really, you know, this has been a lot easier for me because of his support. But sometimes support also for me looks like uh, my classmates and colleagues whenever, you know, for example, Halloween this year, I decided I was going to take my kids trick-or-treating and I wasn't going to miss it for class again like I did last year. And I'm lucky enough to have, you know, friends in class who will give me notes and who will share um, what they learned in class. And I know in some situations, in some universities, uh, people are not that way, but I, I'm thankful that we generally are and people will help each other. And so sometimes my support system is my family. Sometimes my support system is is my friends at school. Um, and I think we just kind of all try our best to really lift each other up as finals approach. It gets absolutely bananas. I don't see my kids or my husband for a month. I stay home from church. I basically live at the library. My husband hates that entire month. Uh, he hates his life. And we always try and do something <laughs> nice for him when it's over because he does carry such a, a big load during during those weeks. But I always say, like, I need to just set up a bed at school because I basically live there the month of, of finals. But it's all, you know, it's all we can do I, when I'm, you know, people may work when I'm at home. I'm, I'm chasing four kids all the time or teaching them or doing, you know, cleaning up after them. And so I don't have that time. So we just have to kind of make it work, fit it in, do what we can. And I think no matter what our situation you find the people who, who surround you are there for a reason. And even though our situations look different, I feel like we all kind of make it work the way that it has to work within our own lives. And if we can do it, then, you know, 
somebody else can too. It seems like you all have found some level of support at school. So I kind of just want to circle back to something that Crystal said. So you guys have child care services at Texas Southern, right? We have a daycare on campus and we have a charter school. I think there's two charter schools on campus. One of them is through the university. And then one of them I think is through, and I'm not sure, but from what I understand, it's like a STEM program, but it's not run by the school. So so the the, um, daycare, anyone Who's, anyone's kids can go there. Obviously, people who are students or faculty have priority, but usually the waiting list is super long. It's a very, very, very small child care center, so it, it can be hard to um, to get your kids into the daycare, but much easier for the charter schools that are on campus. Okay, so the child care is a part of the larger university and not the law school? Yes, right? yes. Okay, Do you think that law students, particularly parents, would benefit from law schools having childcare available to students? I definitely think it would be a benefit. Um, I'm not sure how their, uh, for instance, their 1L year was structured, but they structured our class schedule so that, I mean, you, we were there from eight to five. Like you might have a little bit of breaks in between, but not even enough time really to leave from campus more than to grab something to eat in like the direct vicinity of the school. Like do not leave this two block area. And sometimes by the time we would get out of class, childcare centers were closed. So for a situation like that, if you require your students to be at school all day long, or you require, I know I, my, some of my classes next semester don't end till 740. I don't know too many daycares that are open till 740 at night. So I think that depending upon how your school, your law school wants to structure their class schedule, um, that they should, because had I not had that situation, had I not had that childcare, I wouldn't have had anyone to watch my kids. I wouldn't have had anyone to keep them. So I can't go to class if there's no one there for my kids. So, and that's why I said it's depending on the law school and how they structure their classes, then I totally think that they should make accommodations for students with children so that they're able to attend classes that are late. And if I could, I would like to add to that, Mrs. Shanita, I I definitely agree that law centers would definitely benefit their students of course would benefit and uh, I guess overall they would as well to having from having um, some type of child care facilities for their law students Um, at Southern our 1L year was structured so mainly Mondays Wednesdays um, well for my schedule personally um, being full-time we would get out in the evening and then on Tuesday, on Thursdays, we would have like doctrinal sessions in which we would have to attend. And some of those would not end to like 445 and what have you. So at that time, my daughter was in daycare. But as I believe Crystal was mentioning, a lot of daycare centers, depending on where you your child attends, they are closing at 536. And I, I really don't know any that stays open up until seven o'clock. So when you factor in things like traffic and things of that nature. I mean, you're barely 
making it to even pick your child up. Um, my first year, I was fortunate enough to have uh, my daughter's grandma, who she calls her Gigi. On her father's side, she lived in Baton Rouge. She since moved. So on those longer days, she was able to at least pick up my daughter from daycare to make sure I was able, so I didn't accrue. Because when you're late at daycare centers, they charge you a rate. Um, you get charged for being late. And as law, centers, law students, we our money is very limited as is. So we're not trying to spend any extra money. So it was fortunate that she was at least able to do that. But since a good portion of our uh, law schools are housed within the larger community of the university. So at Southern, of course, we have Southern University and then we have Southern University Law Center. Having some type of daycare facility or child care facility, especially for those smaller children, would actually help help both sides. Because on the, the main side with the main campus, you have your education majors and things who have to have certain observational hours and need to maintain that. But they also have their own class schedules. So if you're able to have an accredited daycare center for, say, your law school students, that would benefit your day students, your part, really everybody, especially your evening students, and have more flexible hours because some of your undergraduate students or whomever or even master programs, anyone in the education center who will be able to kind of stay in there with those children, it will help the law students to feel better knowing that, okay, my child's right here. I can go here to look at them. I know they're in a safe place and I can focus because even in order for you to study, you have to know your child is safe. If you're worried about your child, you're not going to be able to focus, period. But having some type of center on campus would be phenomenal. It doesn't even matter what law center, but having something right there where you can just boom, go there and then spend your, your weekends or evenings or whatever. Studying, that would be awesome. That's something I think that law centers really should look into investing or bring some type of program like that in. Okay. Megan, do you have any thoughts on on campus child care? I really am. I mean, in the grants of everything they said, uh, I am a strong believer that everywhere should have child care, workplaces, schools, every place that a woman has to be at or a father has to be at every day. There have been studies done. Of course, I can't recall the data at this moment, but there have been studies done that people are actually more effective at their jobs when they are able to know that their children are safe, like she was saying, and um, are close by when women who are nursing can go run and nurse their child instead of have to go sit in the bathroom and pump. When all these different situations are happening, having your child, younger children, obviously older ones in school, not school age, but is a more effective way to get things done. It's better for the employer. It's better for the school. It's better for the child. It's better for the parent. So I am a big believer in it. I definitely agree at a university that has a regular undergraduate university and a law center should probably have that option because there are probably so many parents on campus that on a daily basis are trying to figure out what to do with their children. So yeah, I definitely agree. It would be a great addition. Yeah. So I follow all of you guys on social media (laughs) and y'all make it look so easy. (laughs) So we talked about your schedules and childcare arrangements and being organized, but how do you deal with the unexpected? Like, let's say you wake up one morning and your child is feeling ill and they can't attend daycare or they can't attend school. How do you adjust in those types of situations? When you have a child 
that's one of those things that is going to happen, period. Especially when they're younger, they're going to be sick and run fevers. That's going to happen. So what you do, what I did to kind of handle everything, knowing that that's something that's going to happen, you have to consider, I know at Southern we have an attendance policy in most um Law centers do where you're required to attend, I believe, 80% of your classes per ABA standard. With that being said, you really have to try your best to not miss any of those days and leave those days for your child. Because at some point, it may happen um, or it's going to happen. Just a, a little side story into how this happened to me. <laughs> your first year at um, at Southern, uh, you can go to elect to do a, well, you do a pre-law program, and then we have this first couple of weeks is kind of like your transition into law school. So I attended that transition, and during the, that period, again, my daughter was just turning one, so she had to get her booster shots and all that to prepare for going to daycare. So right before her first birthday, or right immediately after she got her shots, and she was supposed to start daycare the same week. Uh, or the, like a few days before my actual real first day of law school was. And of course, since she's never been in daycare, never been around like a whole bunch of kids, of course, she got sick. She had a fever. And you, mothers, you know how that goes. Like, we, it, it's bad. So I was devastated because what that meant was my first two days of law school, I missed my actual first real two days. And I was really, really devastated because I worked so hard to even try to get into law school but the mommy me, I knew that I had to care for her. So one of the major things that you should do is be transparent with your law professors. So I sent out emails and let them know. And come in and you're 1L year, you don't know what the expectation is. I didn't know, you know, what does this mean if I miss these days? Are they going to kick me out? I mean, I was, I didn't know. So I just emailed them and let them know exactly what was going on. And you will be surprised sometimes the feedback that you get. Just off the top of my head, one of the professors that I emailed to let her know I'm going to miss the first day of class because my daughter's sick. She's running a fever. You know, I don't know when it's going to break and she's young. So I'm limited with what I can give her. Was I had a professor who taught contracts my um, freshman year in the fall, my 1L year, excuse me, Nadia Nezel. She emailed me back. I mean, and her email was full of so much positivity and kind words. And she was like, I totally get it. Um, from that email, I found out we were the exact same age. She was a non-traditional student. She was in the exact same age I was when I started. She had two kids. So she's like, I understand. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. And she was like, don't worry about it. We'll catch you up. It's not a problem. Um, I had another professor. She came and had really, really kind words. And when I went to her office, she's like, don't even, they were just like, don't, don't worry about it. You're not missing too much. We understand, and they'll check on, you know, check to see how my children were doing. So knowing, I guess, the, the advice I would give, save the day, and you have to let your professors know what's going on. Once you begin to make, you know, contacts and friends with people at your law center, let them know what's going on, so that way you can make sure you get your notes or whatever things. But it's going to happen sometimes, so you just have to just kind of handle it the best you can. And if you're fortunate to have a good support system, um, and also depending upon how long, you know, the, if it's like a cold or flu or not necessarily flu, but say like a cold or something that may last a day or two, you might be able to have someone that, you know, steps in and watches your child so you don't miss school. But if you have to just understand mm -hmm. that 
it, it's going to happen sometime and it's okay. Just communicate what's going on and you'll make it. It's just one of those things that you have to get through as a mother. Crystal, what do you think? We have a similar attendance policy, as she just mentioned. And I kind of do the same thing. I just really, really, really try and reserve my um, absences for my kids because I just never know what's going to happen. Crazy enough, every midterm and finals period I've had since I've been in law school, even one of my children has become all of a sudden deathly ill or they've gotten me deathly ill. So it's kind of like this running joke at school that if it's going to be exam time, someone in my house is going to be sick. (laughs) I really always reserve my absences for that time because I just, I I know something's going to happen. Um, This semester, my son got really, really sick. So he couldn't go to school. So you know, I'm, I'm, you know, doing what I would normally do. I'm emailing my professors. I'm probably emailing them a little bit too much, giving them an hour-by-hour, play-by-play of what's going on. But I was I was nervous because I was missing a lot of days. And so one day I just was like, you know, dude, you have to come to school with mom. Because it was to the point where he couldn't go to school yet because his doctor wouldn't release him to go to school. But he was running around my house. You know how kids are. They're sick, but they're not, they're not sick as far as running around the house and tearing everything up and telling you that they're bored. So I was like, okay, you're going to come to school with me. So I brought him to school, and I ended up having to go to my con law um, professor's office hours, and he literally was like, why are you here? Go home. Like, your son is sick. You sent me the note. You're fine. Go home. You know, keep up with your reading." Don't come back up here again until the day on this note, this doctor note that says he can go back to school. So, um, you know, I, I just really appreciate that because they they want us to be in class. And another thing that I do, too, is I, you know, obviously we're all dedicated, but I really, really, really try to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's when I'm in class so that when I do have a situation where my kids are sick, my professors don't think, you know, oh, this girl, you know, she always has something. Something's always going on. Like, my professors know that I'm on top of my work. I'm not missing class unless I absolutely have to. But when I do reach out to them, like, hey, you know, this kid is sick, or I need to not come to your class because I have to take my kids to doctors. Like, they don't think I'm making excuses. They know that I handle business first, and this is just part of my business as well because I am a student and a mother. So I just kind of just go with the punches with it all. We know things are going to happen. So I just always want to be seen in the best light um, by my professors and by my colleagues because they they help me too. They give me notes. They record lectures for me. And, you know, they might not do that if they think I'm never coming to class. So that that's just what I do to make it work for me. So for me, obviously, it's a little bit different because I'm an evening student. So doctor's appointments and we homeschool, so they're not missing school. So all of those things look a little bit different. Um, the main way it affects me personally is when they are sick and they just want their mom. And so on weekends, I can't leave to go study. I, it is, I know people who can study at their house, but I am not one, one of them. I require like total silence. I can't even go to coffee shops. Like I have to be in a library. And so total silence and four kids and four dogs do not go together. So 
when my kids are sick, I'm not able to really get as much accomplished. So then it ends up affecting my schoolwork more than perhaps missing classes. So that is really just one of those things where I just have to make it up. But I try and stay ahead throughout the semester um, of my work and of my reading so that if something unexpected happens, well, when something unexpected happens, um, I don't fall so far behind. So that's just kind of like my little way that I stay less stressed is just to be a little tiny bit ahead. And if I'm a little tiny bit ahead, then that gives me that little buffer so that when something comes up, I am able to handle it. And then sometimes um, it really is a support system thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking into a final and my babysitter called me and said that my child had cut her foot open, like wide open, and she needed to go to the emergency room. And so my husband had to leave work and go pick her up and I had to walk and walk into my final not knowing if my baby was okay but that was just what kind of had to happen at that time and of course there's guilt associated with that but um sometimes unexpected things happen and you don't it's a final or like it's a you have a presentation or there's something that you can't miss and so that's really when having other people around you that you can trust and support you really comes in super clutch so it looks like we're going up against the end of our time and I think we have time for one more question so we've talked about how stressful law school is and how hectic it is and all the complexities of that people often say though that the level of stress and the level of work um, doesn't end after graduation and once you enter firm life So very quickly, what are your plans for after law school? And do you view graduation as a finish line, meaning that you anticipate that life may go back to normal or some sense of normal after law school? Or do you think that law life is your new normal? Uh, I'm laughing because, yeah, I think the latter portion, law life is the life. It is the new normal. (laughs) Um, I don't really see myself as going back to I don't even remember what was before law school now anymore. So the thing that I'm appreciative is if you actually use the time that we have in law school and work in your time management and especially dealing with children and all of that as we transition into the workforce, I believe that we do have almost an edge above some individuals in that we have no choice but to time management and use all of our time of every day maximize and still go and do our, give our best 100% of the time. Um, that's going to transition really smoothly into the workforce. Um, and I know as far as myself, I was working like 10 plus years before going back to law school. So um, I plan on using that experience plus what I've learned in law school. And obviously my goal would be to be employed after law school. <laughs> um, and then I have some, some <laughs> Some um, things that I want to do personally in regards to like investments and different things I want to do, you know, on the side. But this life is the new life. It's like law and mommy life together. Yeah. I have a similar thought because I'm not even sure if I know what normal is at this point. Um, I think that once I graduate, I'm just going to have to create a new normal. I when I before I started law school, I thought that I wanted to do family law. My thoughts have changed a little bit, so I'm not quite sure what area 
don't want to practice in yet. I also would hope to be gainfully employed as well because I've looked at my student loans and I know they're not going anywhere anytime soon. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, you know, I, I just think that there's so much space for me to do so many things. It's really, really hard right now for me to even put my finger on on what exactly it is that I want to do at this point but but I'm I'm excited about all the options that I have um for me um right now I'm thinking I move out of Texas as part of my journey next so I'm you know exploring maybe not taking the Texas bar so like I said I'm I'm up in the air but I'm I'm really just excited that I went back to school um at how old am I? At 31 years, well, when I was 31, um, I thought that this was something that I I could not do. And I always want to stress to um, not just single parents, but parents in general, this is, this is doable. Mm-hmm. This is feasible. It's a lot. It is not easy. I am stressed out a lot. But once the stress passes and I regroup, this is, this is feasible. This is hard when you don't have kids. So at least you have like, your little people to cheer you on in the background. Like my son will tell people, mommy can't do this because mommy has to go study. And even though he's making noise in the background while I'm studying, like my kids know what I'm doing. So I'm I'm just really excited to be this example for them that, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. There's no time frame on going back or revisiting or reinventing yourself. And I, I just want to stress that to everyone. Megan? Yeah, so it is, I think law school is the beginning of the race, of the marathon. I don't, I definitely by no means think it's the end. So like for my family, having a mixture of younger and older, my older kids were used to me being home. I I, I ran businesses and stuff, like I was an entrepreneur and stuff before I did community activism um, and advocacy, but I, I was predominantly home. So like my 10-year-old will say things like, you know, make comments about how I'm never home for these things. I can't take them to dance anymore. I missed, you know, their first day of dance for the first time whenever I started school. So things like that are still a transition for us. I think they will probably always still be difficult, more difficult for my older ones than my younger ones who are more since their first memory have been in law school. So, you know, I am 36. I'm a non-traditional student. I came to school to do criminal defense work and civil rights litigation. That's what I came to school for. So when I get out, that is all I care about doing. Um, I don't intend to work at a big firm. Before I came, one thing is that I spoke with people who said, you know, you don't have to go, because I was really concerned. I was going to get out and have to grind out 80 hours a week. And that doesn't, it's just not conducive with my lifestyle. And I wasn't willing to make that much of a sacrifice of never seeing my children. And so someone really encouraged me. And that was one big reason that I went is that, you know, you take a job where you can come home and be with your kids. And yes, there will be trial prep and you will, you know, there will be weeks at a time where you don't get to come home as much, but you don't, that doesn't have to be your entire life. And so I do intend on, you know, like the other ladies, hopefully have a job when this is over and, there will be a transition for my kids as they start regular school and there will be all kinds, there will, I think this is just going to be a life of transitions from one thing to the next. And we can't ever really get too comfortable because there will be some sort of other 
thing that comes up and we have to take care of it. But um, as I've said, I just, I really believe that we, as parents, as mothers are showing our children that it's not too late to pursue their dreams. It's not, you know, there's never a, a right time. My husband and I talked for 11 years about me going to, to law school. It was always the plan. We just kept waiting for the right time. And finally it was like that there is no right time. So you just have to decide. And so when I get out, I think it's going to be kind of, you know, like I said, an, one transition after the next, and we're, you know, just going to hold hands and power through and do it together. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being guests on the podcast today. Um, your insight and your honesty is going to help a lot of students. It was a pleasure, truly a pleasure to have you ladies on. I learned so much myself. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Law Student Podcast. We would like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes. You can reach us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students and follow us and all of our student leaders at hashtag ABA for Law Students. Signing off, I'm Ashley Baker. Thank you for listening. And remember this quote from First Lady Michelle Obama. There is no magic to achievement. It's really about hard work, choices, and persistence. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.